Hey everybody, this is Don Newman and this is Living a Life Worth Remembering. This is a show that's all about answering the question, how can you and I live a life that continues to live on even after our own lifetime has ended? How can we create a lasting legacy? Well, today's episode is actually all about this subject. How do we leave a lasting legacy? The title of today's show is Making Your Mark Deep, Creating a Lasting Legacy by Living for Tomorrow Today. And so I'm so excited to share this because it's something I'm very, very passionate about in learning how to create a legacy and learning how to leave a legacy. A lot of people ask, why is it important to leave a legacy? And I want to share a couple of things with you. First, I want to share with you how this title came about. Why am I talking about making your mark deep? If you were to go to Washington, D.C. and you were to make your way around uh, many of the monuments or many of the historical places that are in Washington, D.C., you're going to find a lot of history that is written in stone. I'm sure if you've ever been there and you've been to the Lincoln Memorial or you've been to any of these places, you're going to see great speeches and history written in granite everywhere. In fact, one of the tours that I went on was a, a tour at night, and you could actually see all the monuments at night. But when you go to look at these historical monuments, these places where history is etched into stone, you're going to see a lot of famous speeches that are actually carved into granite, and they're carved deep. And the reason that they're carved into granite or they're carved deep or they're formed in such a way is because they want these sayings to last through the years. That no matter what elements were to come against it, whether it be weather or whether it be pollution or whatever it is, just time, it continues to stand. It continues to be there for future generations. Uh, you know, they didn't go up and just draw on the granite or kind of scratch into it because over time, the wind and rain and the elements would have washed that away. And so in life, all of us want to have a significance in this life that is not only felt in our current life, but also past our lifetime. And so I want to help you understand how to make your mark deep, that despite time, that despite distractions, that despite economic crises and all the things that will happen over the years that will come and go, you'll still have a mark that will remain. So I want to talk about a couple of things. Uh, I want to begin with what is a legacy? And I love this definition uh, that I heard. Any, a legacy is anything handed down from the past as from an ancestor or a predecessor. And uh, the, the key word there is anything. Because, you know, many times we think of a legacy as something that is a value, monetary value, or something that is actually, uh, you know, has a certain uh, innate value uh, associated with it. But it can be anything. It can be anything. There's a legacy of good works that's been handed down in my family. It can be a legacy of great cooking <laughs> that's handed down in the family. It can be a spiritual legacy. It can be a legacy of higher learning where... Uh, re uh, ancestors have gone to college and have gotten degrees and have passed that same legacy on. And so it can be anything. But I like to say that we make a legacy by this. Legacy is living intentionally for tomorrow, today. And that's what we do in this life. We find a way to live in a significant way 
but that the mark is made deep enough to carry on. So I want to tell you some misunderstandings about legacy because a lot of people misunderstand a few things about legacy. Number one, you do not have to be rich or famous to leave a lasting legacy. Too many times people think, well, I'm not famous like that person was, and I'm going to share about a few people uh, later on that were famous, but you don't have to be famous and you don't have to be rich to leave a legacy. I can share stories with you of people that uh, never were wealthy, never really had anything of monetary value, but they made an impact in this life and people are still talking about them even today, years after they've passed. Another misunderstanding is you have to be perfect. Uh, this is a big one because people think, you know what? I made a mistake. I messed up. And, you know, unfortunately, when we mess up, you know, of course, we feel the stigma of, man, people are going to know us because what we did wrong or how we failed in this area. And while we want to always think about legacy to help us live the best life we're capable of living, and many times keeping legacy in mind will help you avoid some of those pitfalls. If you've ever failed in this life, you're not alone. And it doesn't mean your legacy's over. Is there a scar? Is there something there? Obviously, there, there, there would be. But I want to remind you of a man named King David who had his legacy scarred. But to this day, children are still telling stories about him and a man named Goliath. And people are still reading about him and reading the Psalms that he wrote and talking about God calling him a man after his own heart. In fact, in Washington, D.C., there is a tent that is set up for ongoing worship and prayer, and it's called David's Tent. So he left a legacy despite the mistakes that he made early on in his life. And so all of those things are to say that your legacy will not end because you've made a mistake. Don't let that stop you from trying to leave one now. I love these sayings about legacy. Uh, leave your children a heritage, not just an inheritance. You know, uh, I, I love the fact that, uh, you know, I could leave an inheritance to my children, but the biggest thing I want to live is leave to them is a heritage, a heritage of what matters in life, of values, of things that, that really, really matter. Uh, my grandmother, when she passed away, she left to all of her grandchildren uh, a, a, an inheritance of $1,000. I think all the grandchildren got something in, in that fashion. And uh, I received that, and I could have taken that and gone and uh, gone on a vacation or spent it uh, uh, going to an event or something like that. But I made a decision that I wanted to use it for something that would actually keep her legacy uh, around. And so I actually spent it on uh, bookshelves that uh, are in my office that keep some of my most precious books. Uh, every time I look at them, I remember her. You know, she didn't just leave an inheritance, she left a legacy. Listen to this one. Our children are messengers we send to a time we will not see. You know, I think about that with my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren. And let me just say this too. If you don't have children and you don't have grandchildren, you still can leave a legacy. Um, you can leave a legacy through nieces or nephews. And if you don't have nieces or nephews, you can leave a legacy through co-workers, employees, neighbors, people you minister to. 
Uh, leaving a legacy isn't just to the people you're related to, it can be to anybody you influence. Listen to this saying, a legacy isn't just about leaving what you've earned, but also what you have learned. You know, what have you learned that future generations need to know? What have I learned that future generations need to know? I think about my dad. My dad shared a lot of stuff that he had learned in his lifetime with me as I was growing up. And I'm sure he didn't think about me recording those things or writing those things down, but I've actually written some of those things down in a journal and actually keep those things. So today I want to talk about four ways, four ways that you can make your mark deep and create a lasting legacy. Okay, and so I want to begin with the first one is this, is the avenue, and I call them avenues or ways, the avenue of leadership or influence. And when I think of uh, leadership or influence, there's all kinds of people that come to mind, but two that come to mind that I want to talk about are famous. The first one's Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill made a decision to be a leader in a very, very dark time in our world during World War II. He was not just a leader to Britain, he was really a leader to the world. And today you can read books, you can read quotes about his leadership, his courage. Uh, when Britain was, was going through times of bombing uh, by, the, by the German army, he continued to speak to the country and really to the world on how we, we had to fight, we had to continue to fight, we had to continue to believe. And he really became a leader of influence and leadership that created a deep, deep mark that continues to resonate today. But another one I want to talk about is Rosa Parks. Rosa Parks, very famous, that on bus number 2857, she made her mark deep when she didn't give up her seat uh, during a time when uh, racism was at its strongest period. Uh, and this was in Birmingham, Alabama, where uh, you know, colored people were actually asked to go to a, a drink out of a different fountain, go to their separate bathroom. If you're familiar with that time period, it was a terrible time period in our country. And she made a decision, instead of moving when requested to the back of the bus, that she was going to stay in the seat that she was in. And what she did is she actually created a movement that actually went on to help spark the civil rights movement. And so here's Rosa Parks making her mark deep by not giving up her seat. But you know, you don't have to be famous or well-known to make your mark deep in the area of leadership and influence. My dad uh, was a leader and he influenced his family by leading us. And how did he lead us? He led us by setting an, setting an example and living that example. And so I learned a lot, not by what my dad said, because he was a very quiet man, but how he lived. And so how can you and I actually make our mark deep in the area of leadership and influence? How can we make it deep that it would continue to last? And there's a couple things I wanna share. The first thing is this, lead yourself first. Begin by influencing yourself first. You know, people, when they look at leadership, they're looking to see how we live. Like my dad, I shared, my dad uh, didn't say a whole lot, but his life said a whole lot. And so begin by leading yourself. If you want to make your mark deep and you want to be known one day as a good leader, not only in a family, but an organization, a church, uh, wherever you're leading, make yourself the first person you lead. Next, determine what you value. Determine what matters. See, your values will determine where you're going. 
And what you need to do if you've never done is sit down and determine what do you value. You know, you might write, I value kindness. I value hard work. Because identifying your values, identifying what's important to you is going to identify your leadership style and who you are and where you're going. And it'll help you make your mark deep. Uh, another thing is this. Be a servant leader. It's a very, it's a, a phrase that's been coined over the years that really goes back to looking at how Jesus led. What is a servant leader? Well, a servant leader is somebody that is determined to lead themselves first and then serve others. And so as you're a servant leader, you're actually putting people ahead of you. I love this statement. Don't miss being big in this life by trying to be bigger than life. You know, too many people try to be bigger than life and they miss becoming big in life. And so what does that mean? That means find people that you can serve and serve them and you'll lead them too. Uh, be courageous. Be willing to go against the flow. You know, Winston Churchill, there were many times if you look back and you read in his life, he went against the flow of popular opinion. If you always go with popular opinion, you're going to find one day that you may not be popular any longer. And so find what matters and stick with it and be courageous. Many times courageous leadership means you go against the flow and even popular opinion. And lastly, mentor in the moments. Invest in people no matter who they are. If you look at the life of great leaders that made their mark as a great leader, you'll find they had no problem mentoring even a janitor. I know a story of somebody that they made a decision to mentor a janitor that eventually became a CEO of the company. But they were known for not overlooking the small moments of mentoring or impacting people. And so the first way that we can make our mark deep is by being a great leader and a great influencer. And that can even begin with your family. The second way that we can begin to do this is through the avenue of compassion or generosity. Uh, one of the uh, examples that really sticks out to me is Florence Nightingale, the lady with the lamp. If you know her story in the mid-1800s, during a very, very uh, deadly uh, time of war, uh, she came and ministered to and brought healing to many of these soldiers that were, that were affected or that were dying during this battle. She became known as the lady with the lamp because uh, she was constantly coming into these tents with a lamp and, you know, many of her think, look at her as the founder of modern-day nursing. But you see compassion in action with her. She lived it, and she was compassionate. Another famous example is Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa, through the uh, missionaries of charity, went to some of the most poorest areas of India where uh, people were uh, rejected, where nobody wanted to go and help anybody. She chose to go there. She chose to plant her seed in some of the worst areas in India and help those that needed the most help. And it wasn't that she was known in the beginning, she became known over time. And she lived her life compassionately loving and caring for those people that uh, many people did not want to care for. Uh, but again, you don't have to be famous to do this. I think of a story about my great-grandfather. And my great-grandfather, Luther Butts, I've been given several things that belonged to him over the years were given by my grandmother and my great aunts and kind of handed down to me. And uh, one of the things that was given to me by my great aunt, one of my great aunts uh, before she passed away, was his shotgun. This is my great grandfather's shotgun. I never met him. 
personally, but I know a lot about him because I've heard stories. And one of the things that they told me, or a story they told me, was about one night uh, when they were eating dinner, and this was told by my great aunt, uh, there was a noise or a commotion that was coming from the barn or from the, 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 where the chickens were, and he just thought, it's absolutely got to be a coyote or something. So he took the shotgun and made his way out there. And what he found instead was a hobo that was trying to steal food or steal eggs uh, from the barn. And uh, my great-grandfather, uh, instead of um, running the guy off or shooting at him or doing something like that, actually brought him into the house and fed him dinner. Now, would my great-grandfather ever have imagined that I would be talking about him today and sharing a story of that one act of compassion? But his one act of compassion continued to live on through story told to person, told to person, now being told to you. He made his mark deep with something that most people would not have thought was significant. It was a tiny act of kindness, but here I am telling this again today, and it will be passed down in stories to my children and children's children of what he did. So how do you and I make our mark deep? in the area of compassion. I want to share these things with you. First, do this. Don't do things to be seen now. Do things to be seen later. And what do I mean by that? I mean that uh, do things that aren't for you to get credit today or, or in the current circumstances, but to be seen later. And that might be eternity. That might be down the road or it might be after you're long gone. Because if you do things with the intention to help people and not to just get the credit, you're going to do them with the right heart and you're going to do them with true compassion and they're, and they're going to really make a difference. Secondly, start with the little things. I love the illustration that Jesus told as he stood watching a poor widow put two mites, which is hardly nothing, into the treasury at the temple. And he made this point. He said, we've got people that are giving these huge gifts, but she's given more than any of them because she gave out of her need. Now, would that poor widow ever had guessed that her story would be retold and retold and retold millions of times for thousands of years? She would have never guessed that, okay? But her two little mites, which are uh, worth pennies, made a deep impact to carry on a legacy of compassion, compassion and generosity. Okay, so do things that are small. Next, begin with those that are closest to you. At, this, at the time of this recording, uh, we're actually dealing with a major kind of disaster that just recently happened with Hurricane Dorian uh, struck the Bahamas as a Category 5, and lots of people have been misplaced. They don't know how many people have lost their lives. But there's a huge effort going on to assist people uh, in that country. And I am actually uh, have a friend that I work with that her family uh, was affected by this and we're trying to help through helping her. We also, I also have people that I'm associated with at the church that I attend that we're actually you know, involved in trying to help there as well. And absolutely, when there's a natural disaster, we need to be involved. But start with those that are closest to you. What about your friends, your family, your elderly parents, or people that are around you? These are the areas that uh, many times get overlooked that you need to show compassion and generosity. Lastly, I want to bring to mind the law of reciprocity. Well, what is that? 
In Luke 6, 38, it says, give and it shall be given to you. Basically, you reap what you sow. And while we don't give to get, God is trying to tell us, look, if you will be generous, if you will be compassionate, uh, basically whatever you're sowing and giving to others is going to come back to you. And it's going to come back many times multifold. And sometimes it may not come back to you. It may come back to your children or your children's children. But God tells us that. Why? Because he encourages us to make our mark deep as being generous and compassionate. The third one I want to share about something I'm very passionate about and it's very practical, and that is the avenue, making our mark deep through the avenue of creating a family history. Um, you know, I love family history. Anybody knows me, talks to me, you know, I talk about everything in my, my genealogy, who I'm related to, because I just love talking about it. And uh, if you look in the Bible, you're going to find that you can read about the lineage of Jesus all the way from Adam to Noah to Abraham, even through Rahab the harlot, <laughs> all the way through King David eventually to Jesus. Now, the author of the Bible, which is God, thought it was important to put it in there, and there were two reasons. Number one, it was so that we could understand the fulfillment of prof prophecy. But another reason is to understand who we are and where we come from as Christians and as, as followers of Christ. It was to give us a sense of this story. Yes, it's bigger than who we are, but we're part of it. We fit into that lineage. And, and so he wrote that so that we could understand there's an importance to understanding who you are and where you've come from. You know, people more than ever want to know uh, who they are and where they've come from. Ancestry.com recently, uh, in the last few years, has been doing a show that's all about knowing who you are. And they've taken famous stars or actors or singers and actually taken them back and, and paid all the expenses to take them back on a journey to learn where they came from. And uh, the DNA project, you know, to discover where you're from origi originally. That's taken off like crazy. Why is that? Because we, we, we discover who we are by knowing where we've come from. And everyone wants to know that. And so there's a, there's a reason to know that. And so my life is filled with history. Uh, if you could see around my office or see some of the things I have, my brother calls it the museum. And it is like a museum to me, but it's a museum with purpose. It's a museum with, with captured history of stories uh, of, of, of spiritual legacy or uh, of, of great people in my family. Not great because they were famous, but because they lived well. And, and I, I've collected these things because they're pieces of mementos that help me share uh, the story. One of my bookshelves actually has uh, my dad's Bible uh, after I preached his uh, funeral, helped to preach his funeral, my grandmother's Bible after I preached her funeral. Uh, my great-grandmother's Bible, and all the way down to actually a great-great-grandmother's songbook. And then I have books that are uh, from great-great-uncles or distant uh, uh, ancestors that were in ministry, and they're pieces of history. So one of the ways we can make our mark deep and continue to leave a lasting legacy is by recording these family treasures or these histories or stories. So I want to share a couple things that you can do. <clears throat> the first thing you can do is research your own family for future generations. I am so thankful that I had a great Aunt Belle. Well, who's Aunt Belle? Well, my great Aunt Belle is the family member 
in my lineage, I believe it was my grandfather's sister, I may have that wrong, but she wrote the family history. And she didn't do this today when you had computers and you had Ancestry.com. She actually went to the courthouses and to the graveyards and to the places that you had to go to dig up family history. And she traced it all the way back to England to Walter Newman, who came over as an indentured servant, actually from Ireland, to the United States and traced it all the way down to me and my brothers and sisters and our cousins and, and it fanned out further than that. But she did that because she wanted to get to the roots of who our family, who our family was and where we came from. So I'm so thankful she did that because I found out about great, 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 great grandfathers that planted churches and others that were doctors. And I found these stories, you know, she took the time to do that. So one of the ways you can do that is uh, go on ancestry.com, go on any one of these sites, there's several, and begin to, to do that yourself. And if you've got living relatives, if you have great-grandparents or anyone that has stories, get with them and ask them to share those things with you. Yes, your kids may look at you like, I don't care about this because they're busy with life, but I'm telling you, I am telling you, there will come a day that they will be glad that you gathered these stories together. Because in the midst of all of your children and grandchildren, there's going to be a historian in the group that just cannot wait to read these stories. Next, what you can do is tell stories. Tell your children stories. Share with them things that you've gone through. Share with them about your grandparents and your great-grandparents. Uh, and you know, some of this may be over the dinner table. Uh, some of these things may be on trips. You know, you go back to an area and you share with them, this is where you're from. But sharing stories, taking pictures. You know, in this day of everything being digital, uh, we tend to just put everything online. I know I put a, a bunch of pictures on the cloud. I recently had to expand my cloud because I got so many pictures. But you know, what about taking pictures and putting them in frames and writing on the back who it is, when it was taken? Yeah, you know who it is, but they won't know who it is. And somebody one day is going to be looking at that picture and, and they're going to know, who was this? Where were they? Uh, what were they thinking? What were they doing? Um, one of the things I do, very practical, I write in my Bible. I know there are some people that feel like you can't write in the Bible. If, if that's you, then I encourage you to find a journal to write in. I have no problem writing in my, my Bible. I have verses underlined. I have quotes. I have everything written in there. But I also write in books I read. Why do I do this? Well, part of it is I'm a writer and I like to write. But another part is I know one day somebody's going to be looking in this book and I want them to know what I thought not just what I read. Um, also, one of the things you can do is you can begin to make memorable moments with your kids. You know, little trips, things you do where I remember that. Oh, I never forget when we did this. I never forget when uh, we went and helped uh, with a bunch of tornado victims. And as a family, we went and helped this family out and rebuilt their house. I mean, there's all kinds of ways you can make memories that become stories. One of the things I like to do is I love to journal, but I actually journal to my grandchildren. I have five grandchildren, so I actually have five journals, one for each grandchild that I write in. And I actually begin to write in them on the day that they're born, 
I write on their birthday or if there's a special day or if there's a day that I learn a lesson and I want to pass on, I'll write it in there. There are days that I'm just writing a prayer, praying for them, their spouse, their children and their children's children. And my goal is, uh, is to give this journal to them when they become an adult or they get married. But can you imagine if you had a journal from your grandparent of the prayers that they prayed or lessons they learned or stories or anecdotes they wanted to share? Well, guess what? You can do that for your grandchildren now. And again, if you don't have grandchildren or you don't have children, do you have nieces? Do you have nephews? Do you have anybody that you can pass these things along to? I encourage you to do that. Now, the last thing I want to share about is probably the most important, how we make our mark deep and create a lasting legacy through the avenue of creating a spiritual legacy. To me, while collecting items and passing them on and leadership and all that is so important, there is nothing more important to me than creating a lasting legacy that is carried on for years in, as far as a spiritual legacy. And I'm so thankful that I inherited a great, wonderful spiritual legacy. As I shared earlier, I have Bibles of ancestors that, uh, that prayed for our family, that prayed for me, that I have now, and I collect those things. So I've been handed this wonderful, wonderful legacy. And as you think about legacy, think of it this way. If you've ever seen a relay race, Outside of the start and finish, the most important thing, probably more important, is the passing of the baton that happens between runners. If you've ever seen a relay race, you'll see a runner that they're the first runner that runs the first leg. Their job is to get the best start possible, but they can have the best start possible and then fumble uh, handing that baton to the next runner, and guess what? The race is over. The handing of that baton to the runner if it's done the right way, will actually give that runner a leap forward, will actually get them a head start because the second leg, the runner that runs the second leg, they'll take off and actually put their hand back and actually trust that the first runner is going to place it right in their hand so they can keep running. If that is done the right way, that group actually can beat a group that has faster runners that don't know how to hand it. So when I talk about uh, making our mark deep so we can create this lasting legacy. We're really handing to the next generation the values and the things that we want them to carry into not just their generation, but future generations. So when it comes to spiritual legacy, I can think of nothing more important than handing to your children or those that you're influencing the things that really matter spiritually. I love the story of Jonathan and Sarah Edwards. If you're not familiar, Jonathan Edwards, very famous preacher, well-known, uh, who actually uh, God used uh, him to start the first great awakening in this country in the 1700s. He preached a sermon that he wrote, and he actually read it. He didn't preach it. And the name of the sermon was Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Now, I know in our day and time, that sounds like a really... Uh, tough sermon to hear, but it was actually full of, uh, of points that led to the mercy of God. It talked about uh, how, how bad man had become, but it talked about a merciful God and that we needed to turn. And it, the God that wrote this through Jonathan Edwards had put into this 
stories uh, or points of mercy, and it just was God's timing as he read this. Now, this was a, a very, very famous sermon. Uh, he was a leader of the First Great Awakening. But him and his wife, uh, Sarah, they had 11 children. And you can imagine a house full of 11 children, but yet you're trying to lead a revival. You're involved in a great move of God. But they made a decision that they were not going to do anything that their children were not involved in. They made a decision that, look, we've got this going on. We have the church. We have all these things, but our children come first, and we're not going to leave them out. Think of the people that uh, would have been caught up in something. I mean, you can think of anything, and if it became so big, you know what? We've got to have somebody watch the children because we've got all this going on. That wasn't Jonathan and Sarah. They made a decision, no, our children are going to be involved. Our children are going to be part of our life, and we are going to sow into our children because this spiritual calling on our life isn't just for us or for the people of New England or, or what God was. It's for our children. And so an interesting thing has been learned uh, about Jonathan Edwards and Sarah and their lineage or the descendants that came after, that people began to notice that there was this tremendous blessing on their children and children's children. So in 1900, they actually did a study. A.E. Winship did this study, and it studied all 1,400-plus descendants of Jonathan and Sarah Edwards. And they noticed that there were some highlights that really stuck out. And so from the 1,400 that came, there was a lot of people that loved God, that, that lived their life for God. It was just all, it just seemed to be sprinkled all the way through their family tree. But listen to what came out of their family tree because they paid attention to their family. A uh, hundred lawyers were found in their lineage, and one of them was a dean of a very prestigious law school. Eighty people in their lineage uh, were holders of public office. Sixty-six became physicians, and one of them was a dean of a medical school. Thirty of them became judges, and thirteen became college presidents. Three of them became mayors of large cities, and three of them became state governors, and one of them was a vice president. And so you look through their lineage, and you find that the, the spirit, spiritual legacy went through their family and went through the generations. Why? Because they made their mark deep. They didn't just make their mark deep uh, involved in a great awakening at a church. They made their mark deep with their family and they created a lasting legacy that is continuing to live on today. And so as you look at their story and you think about the impact they had, how can you and I have a, a legacy that lives on, a spiritual legacy that lives on. How can you and I make our marks deep and, and continue to have spiritual legacy? Here's some different thoughts. The first thing is, is you got to live it yourself. You know, uh, it isn't uh, do as I say, it's do as I do. Uh, you know, my dad lived a, a, a very, very uh, uh, spiritual life, but he never preached at me. I just saw it lived through the way he lived. And what did I do? I took after that. That drew me to Christ. That drew me to want to live for God. Uh, you know, it's not what you say, it's how you live. And so the very first thing that you can do to make your mark deep and create a spiritual legacy is live it. Live it yourself. Does that mean you're going to be perfect? Absolutely not. That means sometimes you're going to need to admit when you're wrong. There's times that uh, 
you know, seeing you be sorry over something that you've done will say more than actually doing it right. And so live it. Uh, the second thing is lead others and especially your family. You know, the thing I like about Jonathan and Sarah Edwards is they led their family. They took their family to church. They brought their family into what God was doing and they were strong leaders that were making the right decisions to create a lasting spiritual legacy with their kids. Uh, the biggest area that I want to focus on is prayer. I cannot tell you the significance of prayer. If you're familiar with Dr. Dobson and Focus on the Family, you may be familiar with his story. It's, it's remarkable. And the story he tells is about a great-grandfather that was a pastor. And uh, this uh, man made a decision that every day, I think between 12 and 1, he would pray that his generations to the fourth generation, that all of them would know, love, and follow God. And he made that decision every day to pray to God. God, I want my children, children's children, children's children, to the fourth generation would love and follow God. And Dr. Dobson took his children back to where, the, uh, where his great-grandfather was buried, and he took them back there on a, on a journey to share with them some of this heritage. And, you know, he's saying to them, the prayers were answered. Everybody in our, in our family tree to the fourth generation, in fact, to the fifth and sixth generation, they love God and they follow God. You cannot underestimate the power of your prayers. You know, when you're praying for your children or children's children, or you're praying for nieces or nephews, or you're, you're praying for people, don't underestimate that. If you want to create and make your mark deep to create a lasting spiritual legacy, prayer is going to be one of the primary places that you do it at. And so understand when you're praying, prayers are eternal. You know, I personally believe there's like a bowl in heaven that gets filled with our prayers. And, you know, I find myself many times when I'm writing in these journals, I'll be praying for Paisley or Tinley. I'll be praying for uh, Walker or McKenna or Adley. And I'll be praying for their children and children's children. And I'll be praying against uh, things coming against them. I'll be praying for great jobs. I'll be praying, keep them safe. And I'll be praying these prayers. They go in this bowl. They don't go away. They continue to be a memorial before God. And they work, okay? We just don't see them work in our day and time. But Dr. Dobson saw it work in his generation, and he saw it work with his own kids. So prayer works. Another thing is to share testimonies and stories. You know, I love sharing testimonies, and I love telling stories. People that know me know I love to tell stories. But sharing testimonies and stories is a way to instill into our children what God has done. I love what it says in Joshua, actually in Joshua 4, 21. You know, Israel had crossed over the Jordan uh, after uh, they had left you know, Egypt. They had come to the Jordan, and Joshua had led them up to the Jordan. And uh, on this particular day, the priest went in carrying the Ark of the Covenant. And when they did, they stepped in the water, and God miraculously stopped up the river that the ground all of a sudden dried out. And all of Israel crossed over the Jordan as they entered into the promised land. And when they did, Joshua, as God directed, took stones and stacked these stones up on the other side. And it was to be a memorial of what God had did on that day. And I love in Joshua chapter 4, 21, this command comes. 
When your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. You know, there's things in your life that have occurred. There's times that God answered your prayer. There's times that God reached out and did something. It's important that you make a memorial stone on those things and pass them on and share those stories because your children will repeat those stories if they know them, but if they don't know them, they have nothing to repeat. And maybe you write them in a journal. Maybe there's a picture you took of something. But you want to take time, and you can do it in fun ways. This doesn't have to be a religious type of thing or something that you're trying to shove down somebody's throat. It can be something you're sharing driving down the road and saying, I want to let y'all know what happened when I was younger, how God answered uh, my prayer and your mom's prayer. You didn't know this, but we were, we, we were without jobs and didn't have money and God came through and we got a check in the mail. Whatever it may be, make a memorial so that these stories can live on. That's a big way that you can do that. Now, there's practical things you can do. Like I talked about earlier, take Bibles and write in them. Take books and write in them. Take mementos. I've got little mementos that are all surrounding the spiritual legacy. I mean, I, I'm a stone collector. People that know me know that I have bricks. And I've got bricks that have come from England, uh, where I visited where the Welsh Revival happened. And I've got bricks that, that are from the property where my great-great-aunt and her husband planted a church. And, and, I'll, and I'll have these around. Is there anything magical about the bricks? No. Is there any power in the bricks? I don't think so. But you know what? It's the story around the brick. It's the story around the item. It's what it means in my heart. It's what it means in my spirit. And so I want to encourage you, if you have anything of spiritual value, find a way to be able to catalog it, capture it, and pass it on. In that way, you can make your mark deep and pass on a spiritual legacy. I love talking to you guys uh, every month. We come out with a new episode, and the whole intention of this is to help you live a life worth remembering. And I hope you take some of these things and you can find a way to make your mark so deep that all of the things that come against it in life, all the distractions, and even if it skips a generation or two, it stands the test of time. So others can grab that baton and run with it and succeed. And so until we talk again, I pray that you're blessed in every way. I pray that the ripples you create today will become the waves of the future and look forward to talking to you again in the future. God bless you guys.